Welcome to the Good Word Podcast, a sermon podcast from Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Missoula, Montana, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, a series of selections from Scripture for each week in the church year that is used by many Christian churches around the world. I'm Pastor Molly Sasser-Gainer. And I'm Pastor Rebecca Cochran. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Connect with us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or digitally at imluchurch.org. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram. So, Pastor Molly, what's the good word this week? Well, this week we celebrate All Saints Sunday, which is November 5th, 2023. And the good word comes from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. The book of Revelation is written to seven churches in Western Asia Minor during a time of great oppression. Today's reading is a response to the question asked in chapter 6, verse 17, who is able to stand? The writer gives the faithful the assurance of God's protection and a vision of victory. Here's the reading from the NRSV. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and worship him day and night within his temple. Then the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more, and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All over the world, the churches are celebrating All Saints Day. And it celebrates the baptized people of God, living and dead, who are the body of Christ. It's a day to give thanks for the great cloud of witnesses, known and unknown, who told us the story of Jesus and his love. It's a memorial day when we remember those who have died, who now enjoy the fullness of eternal life with God. So, It's really a day like any other day, filled with joys and sorrows. The reading from Revelation chapter 7 today describes the people of God experiencing a moment of hope and joy amid suffering and sorrow. 
angels, creatures, throngs of people sing, salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. They hear that mourning and crying and hunger and pain will be no more. Don't we long for a moment of hope and joy like that? In the past weeks, I know my personal sorrows, maybe your personal sorrows, struggles and loss have been weighed down by multitudes of death from all over the world. The mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. Hamas's horrific attack on an Israeli town that kidnapped hundreds and killed over 1,500. Israel's brutal blockade and bombings of Gaza that have displaced millions of Palestinians and killed over 9,000 people, 41% of whom are children and infants. Then remember the loss of life through earthquakes in Afghanistan, Nepal, and the Morocco, and that fire that burned the whole town of Lahaina. Who can stand? Who can stand all this suffering? The book of Revelation is a much misinterpreted and misunderstood book. A man named John, a follower of Jesus, he wrote down a dream, this vision he had, that described how God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. John sent the description of this vision in a letter to seven churches throughout Asia Minor. Some of the churches were experiencing persecution for their Christian faith. A few of the churches, though, were apathetic. They were unmoved by Christ's sacrificial love and unresponsive to the suffering of others around them. John's letter to these churches was supposed to give hope to those who were suffering and to challenge those who were detached from Jesus' mission. To us today, the biblical book of Revelation has all kinds of wild and wacky images that are difficult for us to understand. And to make it worse, there are all kinds of wild, wacky, and wrong interpretations of the book of Revelation out there. But one thing we can understand from the book of Revelation is that John's dream seems to describe sort of the cycle of mass suffering and death interrupted by heavenly visions of the faithful, alive, praising God and the Lamb, their creator and redeemer. And this is a pattern that repeats itself throughout the book. Just before our reading in Revelation 7 today, the threat of the four horsemen of conquest, war, economic oppression, and death, they've been let out of their stalls, followed by vast environmental destruction of earth and skies. And the people of the earth cry out, who can stand? Who can stand it? Well, we'll find out in John's letter. Early in his dream, John hears a voice that says the one who can stand in the face of all this evil suffering and death is the ferocious lion of Judah from the line of the great kings of David. And then John hears that there are about 144,000 people who will make it through, who can stand alongside the Lion King of Judah. That's what he hears. 
But suddenly all this destruction is interrupted by something else that John actually sees happening. That's what we get in chapter 7. John sees that the one who can resist and defeat all that suffering death is not a ferocious lion king, but a sacrificed lamb. Instead of a similar and select army of 144,000, John sees a great multitude of people that can't be counted of every land, tribe, nation, race, language on earth. And they don't stand there with weapons and guns and bombs. They stand there in white robes. Robes that have been washed in the blood of the lamb. That is their only defense. So this pattern is something we can see throughout the book of Revelation. All great nations fall prey to self-preservation and seeking power through might and money, wars and economic dominance. In the Bible, it's Babylon, Persia, the Assyrian Empire, Greece, and on. And in the day of Revelation's writing, it's Rome. And this leads to all kinds of violence, evil, suffering, and death. And the ones who can stand, the ones who can stand up to it, the ones who can resist the ways of the world are the ones who have been redeemed and saved by the Lamb of God, the crucified Messiah who died to save the world, who died to save his enemies. The Lamb of God's death itself is the conquest and defeat of evil. But we humans, we keep returning to the weapons of the world for peace, military might, economic dominance, ethnic isolation, but they really never save anyone. They give an illusion of peace and prosperity for a limited time, but it won't last. In the end, they only make our sufferings worse. Even God's judgment on sin and violence doesn't make it any better. Violence begets violence. And isn't that what we're seeing today in Israel and Palestine? Now, the conflict between Israel and Palestine is long, complex, and as misunderstood as the book of Revelation. But Christians, in particular Lutherans, must acknowledge our own contribution to anti-Semitism, violence, and persecution that has displaced Jews from homelands across the world and Europe and the Middle East. As Christians, we have participated in the crisis the Jews, as the Jews have searched for a safe place to live for thousands of years. Anti-Semitism across the globe is a, is a root cause of the violence in Israel and Palestine that we see today. It's on the rise. It's reprehensible. It's intolerable. It's happening here in Missoula even. At the same time, the power exerted against the Palestinian people, which includes Muslims and Christians, through years of Israeli occupation, the expansion of settlements, the escalating violence. This also must be called out as a root cause of what we are witnessing. 
The only thing that can save us is God's mercy. It's not the lion, but the lamb who finally breaks the cycle of suffering and death forever. And when the mercy of the Lamb of God is lived and experienced in word and deed by the people of God, those seven churches, then and only then do people and nations change. Feeding the hungry, healing the sick and injured, sheltering the vulnerable, binding up the wounds of the broken, comforting those who mourn, forgiving wrongs, and laying down our lives for enemies just like the Lamb of God, then and only then do we turn away from the false gods of might and money and turn to the true God of mercy. Then and only then will our great ordeal be finally over. Like the faithful in John's vision, on occasion we too can catch a respite, a glimpse of God's kingdom to come that can give us hope and courage to face another day in the world, to stand up in it. The Forgiveness Project tells a story. In 2005, Matthew Boger and Tim Zoll had a life-changing conversation. Both were working at the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles when they realized that they'd actually met before 26 years earlier, when a group of teenage Nazi punks attacked and beat a gay, homeless 14-year-old boy. Matthew Boger was that young boy. And Tim Zoll, at the age of 17, was a member of the group who left Matthew for dead in a West Hollywood alley. In fact, Tim gave Matthew the final kick to his head that was supposed to be the death blow. Through this project, Matthew and Tim were asked to share their story publicly as part of the Hate to Hope project. Matthew, of course, was filled with anger and the desire for revenge, but he said that impulse also scared him. Matthew said, even though I wasn't comfortable being around Tim or publicly sharing a story that I denied for 26 years, it seemed the best way to deal with these feelings. At first, there was no sense of forgiveness. There had been so much violence that night and such a complete lack of humanity that I didn't want Tim to get away with it. But as our presentation evolved, so did our relationship, and so too did the process of forgiveness. Tim says, at first, I didn't want to stand up with Matthew and tell my story of shame And I attempted to minimize what I had done by saying, oh, I was a child. I was 17, drunk, just a follower. But in the end, I knew I had to own my own actions by stepping up to the plate and proving to Matthew that I was a different person now. I also wanted to get the toxicity out of me. And forgiving myself is an ongoing process, a daily practice and it will probably be with me till the day I die. Alongside those robed in white, Matthew and Tim's story gives us a moment of rest, a reason to hope, and a vision of peace in our own time and place. Through the dark clouds, they give us a little slice of what it could be like when God reigns on earth as in heaven.
And the final image of Revelation, the Lamb of God returns and defeats evil forever. And the whole earth is a temple filled with the presence of God and the Lamb. And there's that great multitude of human cultures and all their diversity. And they work in peace and harmony before God to care for the earth, its creatures, and each other. This is a promise that the saints of God in every generation gets to say and to do. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Good Word Podcast. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another good word. Until then, many blessings to you.